Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day, everyone. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with another episode of our Edge podcast. And today we have Sean Parham, who is Group VP and Head of Product Management for the ABB Ability Platform. Now, uh, Sean is actually the second person from ABB that we've had on our, our podcast Previously, we had Guido Jure, and he was absolutely one of the most fascinating people that I've had the pleasure of talking to. And ABB is a uh, company with a a lot of really interesting businesses. They're doing um, some remarkable work in uh, robotics, AI, industrial automation, and uh, platforms. And that's a great opportunity for us to get a chance to, to, to drill into a little bit of the, the thinking around what, um, you know, some of the people who are making things happen on the ground are, are doing. And uh, Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Great. So I'd just like to start off with, with a bit of, of context, context and um, just understand a, a bit about your background. Could you share about uh, so, you know, some of the, the critical uh aspects to you, I guess, of your background and you know, really what, what's, what has shaped your view of connected industry and the work that you're doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks. It, that really, for me, goes back to probably about 15 years ago. Actually, as I think about it, 2004 was really where I got engaged in a transition that at the time we didn't know to call it IoT. It was a pre that really that term. But it was, I was uh, with a startup, in fact, a good portion, big, about half of my career is, has been spent with startups, uh, where we had a vision to really simplify things for the global service providers. So telephone companies, cable companies, fiber companies, et cetera, who were grappling with this issue, this massive issue that was impacting their industry, what we you know, now call broadband internet. And the problem that existed for them is one that resonates with us now, which is this notion of this brand new technology wave coming in and, and hitting everything that they did. And uh, a, a complete flip or a complete changeover in the way that they had to do business. And what I mean by that is their legacy business had been very centrally controlled, very, very you know, uh, uh, run from the center, from the network. And now with broadband, what they faced was this, this really a really uh, challenge, a massively challenging proposition where the center of that experience, if you will, and the center of that control moved from their center of their network out into our homes and out into our businesses. And this was a proposition that was, that was not only one that they had to, had to tackle, but it, it had associated with it risk. It had associated with it uh, major operational challenges, like how do we fix things, you know, in, inside of someone's home, which is not the friendliest of environments, of course, to uh, to work in. And so they were faced with this. They had to do something, right? They had to they had to deploy broadband, but their costs, their risks, everything that they were dealing with was was you know was looking like it was going to go off the charts. And so what that caused us and in the industry to do was to really tackle that from. Uh, 
from a really from a platform point of view. And so you fast forward now 15 years, what's happened is this industry, this massive multi-trillion dollar industry that is communications, IT and communications, is run by these very large scale, what we now call IoT platforms that manage all these literally millions, tens, hundreds of millions of devices that are in our homes and our businesses. And they establish the way that they set those machines up the way that they monitor them, the way they, they support them, et cetera. And this startup that uh, ended up, we were, we were successful in that, in that, in that process and, and, and deployed a couple of, uh, of platforms across the industry, which I was uh, directly part of and led. And so today we have this example where these tens of millions of devices are managed and run and are providing value through value added services that are built on top of these on top of these devices and on top of these platforms and on top of the workflows and everything that, that, that folks do with with their you know broadband services today. And what we saw after we got done with that process and sold the startup, had a successful exit, so that was a that was a good deal. Um, what we saw after that was wow, this really changed an industry. I mean, it's there's just nothing that's the same about about that and you know the communications industry since that that transition occurred. And we had this vision. We looked, you know, our, you know me and, the, and some of my peers looked and said, this is going to go everywhere. This this notion of how this worked and the value that it created is just absolutely going to go everywhere. And the impact that it'll have there in industry, in you know, commercial endeavors, in energy and utilities, is gonna make the the trillion dollar transitions that we that we had in the communications industry look like you know small <laughs> small uh, uh, results because there's just so many things that we can impact uh, throughout the world and 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 what I think was you know a really positive way for the communications industry. And now we're you know we're on that mission to uh, to, to to do that here for uh, you know, for, for all, of, all of the things that, that we touch. And so I first came into contact with, you mentioned Guido, uh, and uh, great guy, I absolutely agree. He, uh, he and I started working together with, uh, at Cisco. Uh, Cisco attempted to acquire that same startup uh, and ended up going to one of their competitors, but, uh, but Guido and Cisco uh, kept after me and, and, and the vision and the mission. And uh, we did some work there at, at Cisco. He and I went off, uh, did a couple of other other things, a couple of other startups. And then when Guido landed the uh, the role of chief digital officer here at uh, ABB, uh, he he tapped me on the shoulder, and and here we are, uh, making it happen here for ABB. I think that's really interesting that you brought up this uh, transition in the in the communications industry and this ability or the need to control multiple endpoints, whether it be hundreds of thousands or millions of endpoints. And I, and I think back about the systems management market in yeah. enterprise software, and I'd, I'd love to yeah. get your perspective on what may be different. I, my background is mostly you know, pure enterprise software. So I remember you know, watching the original systems management vendors in, in the 90s coming up uh, out, of, out of the mainframe and client server era into distributed computing. You, know, you had the B, yep. BMC and CA Unicenter and, and, and a number of other uh, companies that were really focused purely on enterprise assets and software. But uh, yep. what, what, is, what were some of the unique challenges and, and technological approaches that 
were effectively uh, applied to this, you know, to the to the transition that you saw in the in the communications yeah. industry. Yeah, great great analogy, and it's and directly related because uh, what I described was was over the span of a couple of startups, and one of those startups came directly out of the enterprise. Uh, systems management space that, that you described. It was a company, a startup company called Motive that was based in Austin. And the evolution of, of that technology and applied into this new space was really what, what, what founded one of those two platforms that I mentioned earlier. And um, the, so the, the, the lessons learned out of that, I think are, are, there's a large number of them that, that apply. And in fact, I think we can look back even over the last 25 or 30 years of, of how the IT and communication space evolved and some of the some of the dead ends that we went down, some of the mistakes we made, as well as you know, some of the things that we did right that, uh, that can be applied here. It's, I like to say it's not the same song, but it, it sort of rhymes, right? It's a, you can, we can see patterns uh, emerge that we can learn from. And some of those, some of those specific things are um, looking to how do, we, how do we start to standardize things, right? There's a, and, and how to do that in a way that focuses first on things like interoperability. Today in the IoT space, and in particular in the industrial IoT space, there's a large conversation, a lot of conversations that go on about uh, around companies attempting to bring everything onto their platform, right? We'll solve this problem just by bringing everything onto this one grand unified platform. And as you know from the enterprise software space, we tried that, right, a, a while ago. You know, things you know, like uh, Corba, and there were you know proprietary positions on on how to how to bring those those assets together, and you fast forward that didn't work, right? It didn't it didn't happen. In fact, what we did, what we ended up doing, is what we now know is the you know the the platform that we run on today for the for internet and web applications is made up of a bunch of things that are highly uh, uh, modular that uh, work together in specific ways uh, that we focused on interoperability everywhere from from the things that are talking to, uh, to, you know, all the way up to the highest levels of software and 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 connecting things in standardized way, via, ways via web APIs, et cetera, and everything in between. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, sort of thing. It's not a one platform to rule the world. It's how do we get these various systems and various layers to talk to each other in meaningful ways? How do we share data? How do we do that safely? How do we protect that and, and protect those, those connections? And then allow those various applications to work together to provide for specific value that customers want, right? Because customers don't buy platforms. They don't buy infrastructure unless they're doing that in the service of getting something specific done, right? So they're looking for a particular uh, extraction of value or creation of value. And you start there. And then you work backwards into what kind of infrastructure and components and pieces that, that you need to put together. And that's really the approach we've tried to take with, with ABB and the Ability Platform, is not to start from a platform point of view. We think the last thing this planet needs is another IoT platform on the market. So we don't, we don't offer it as a, as a generic platform offering. What we do is use that platform and build that into the applications and solutions that we provide to our specific customers inside of specific segments and deliver the value there and then leverage the platform to do the things that customers want to get done, like share the data, 
like uh, unify uh, the way that machines talk to that talk to that platform, et cetera, bring security to the equation in places where maybe it hasn't been before. So it's it's in the service of what a customer wants to get done and what kind of value they'd like to they'd like to extract from you know from that system. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think you hit on a really important point, which is that that platforms and infrastructure themselves are really not of you i mean they're they're not what customers are interested in right they're interested in the utility of the technology as applied to the problems that they're looking to solve whether it's an application or a solution it's it's interesting that we're you know we're having this conversation on the uh, the same week that IBM just spent $34 billion to buy Red Hat. It's, uh, yeah. That could lead us down a couple of other interesting situa- conversations. But, you know, I've always looked at, at platforms really as, in some respects, they they can, in for vendors, provide uh, a lot of value capture. And, and they, in the service of the applications above them uh, or that reside uh, that take advantage of their capabilities they they add an enormous amount of, of value and leverage but the platform market itself has certainly seen an explosion whether almost Cambrian explosion of uh, entrance in the, in the market I'd love to get your thoughts on really the uh, the application of this platform concept to industrial technologies I mean having you know, given your background in in IT and telecom and 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 you know connectivity you know how 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 have you you know how do you, how do you look at the the mar- how the market's evolved with and and what do you make of all the platforms that are that are out there currently i think by last count it's somewhere over 400 right yeah uh it's uh you you've 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 nailed it it's the 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 interest, the, the the value is not in the platform, right? That's that's uh, what I like to point out to people is is to say, you know, well, something along the lines of, you know, when was the last time you bought a database for for you know for fun and for productivity? And the answer is almost never, right? You you buy that in the service of some application, of something that you that you want to get done. And the same thing is true, is, is you know is true here. And the what we see is. Uh, sometimes around here, what we call the Maslow's hierarchy of value, uh, and it starts with getting things connected and, and pulling data out of those things, and 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 trying to to make some sense of that of that data to either you know remotely troubleshoot something or to you know to keep keep tabs on something, and uh, and that's that's useful and interesting, but it's insufficient really in terms of getting at where that value truly occurs. So. Relating it back to what we saw in the IT and communication space and the establishment in particular in that, in that comms uh, industry, where the value showed up there is the same place value is showing up here, which is further up that hierarchy, that, that Maslow's hierarchy, into where I can now start to combine the data from various systems, various individual components, and turn, in, turn that into a view of a process. Like, what do I want to get done? So you asked about, uh, you know, the industrial space and, and things like manufacturing. So when I, when I step back from looking at individual pieces of data or component, component data, and I start to look at what am I trying to produce? Where are the bottlenecks? Where are the costs? Where are 
opportunities to speed things up or to, uh, to add particular value. And I can look at that as a flow, as an overall process flow, and then optimize across that flow. Now I can start to extract real value, start to, start to cause things to occur. So as an example, there's, uh, there's a measure in, the, you know, in our industry, uh, in the industrial segments, uh, around uh, overall effectiveness. And the industry today, really state-of-the-art uh, for industry effectiveness, is around, only around 40%, right? So only 40% of a factory's capabilities uh, are being utilized because of the inefficiencies that are built into that system. And we have examples where we've, where we've taken the, the, you know, the IoT concept and the platform concept and then looked at it from, a, from an application and a software point of view as to how to make that more efficient over that process. And in particular cases, in particular instances, we've, we've taken one customer as an example that I, I can't mention the name because it's, they consider this part of their, uh, uh, their, their competitive advantage, but uh, they were running at 46%, which is well above the industry average. So they were feeling pretty good about that. We brought in uh, a system to look at this from an overall process flow improvement point of view, particularly focused on flexibility, meaning how can they change what that line is producing over time and make that more flexible. And we literally were able to take that from, from 46% to 80% uh, efficiency or 80% usage. And that's massive, right? And when you can make those kinds of shifts in, you know, it, for, a, for a particular customer and across the segment, you can change the world. And we saw this also, like I said, reflecting back on that past for the service providers where they started to automate and to, and to create structures that, that, that made those operational flows far more efficient, far more flexible and effective. And they were, they were quite literally producing hundreds of millions of dollars of value in their networks and their, in their systems every year because of these enhanced uh, process flows and, and enhanced automations uh, and, and autonomy that occurred because you're applying that, that systems approach to it. That's what's in front of us now for, uh, for the industrial IoT space. And it's focused on those applications and solutions. And how do you apply that into a particular system for a particular customer inside of a particular segment. I'd like to understand how you go about looking at process flows and in your customers' environments and then mapping the, those needs to the capabilities you bring to bear in the platform. And, and really what I'm, I'm trying to get at is, is how, how you look at what you look to deliver, the capabilities you look to deliver in, uh, you know, on on the ability platform and in, in in your software. But what 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 is the process that you guys go through in in really evaluating the 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 flow of, of value and or the flow of of other processes and then the potential value capture there and how that can yep. be unlocked with software. Yeah, great, great, thanks. Um, so it really it's again. Going back to the previous part of the conversation, it goes back to starting with the customer and starting, it sounds a little, you know, it's a little apple pie and, and uh, you know, abstract, but it's not, right? You have to go straight to the customer, straight to the, to the, to the management uh, teams that, that want to get something done. And you have to start from a consultative point of view and say, what, what is it that you, would, you want to achieve? And the, camp, and the customer that I mentioned earlier, 
It was uh, how do we achieve flexi more flexibility in terms of what we produce on this particular line because the, the, the challenge that they had, the reason they were 46% wasn't simply because they didn't have enough automation or enough instrumented. They did. What they had was not enough flexibility. They couldn't change that system flexibly enough or quickly enough in order to produce something new on that line in, in enough time in order to, to meet the demands, you know, the needs that they had from a, from a supply chain point of view. So they had plenty of automation, but automation in our space, in the, in the industrial and, and commercial space, and is, is often today a fairly static thing. You set it up, right? You get it installed, you get the automation working, and then you sort of slowly back away from the, you know, from the environment and make sure to kind of leave it alone to let it run, right? And the challenge with that is that that means, you know, you can't, you can't change that very, very quickly and very, you know, very easily. So in that example, what we did was we looked at their desire and we looked at how they wanted to make that more flexible. And then we started to look at what kind of technology can we deploy? What kind of infrastructure can we put into place to enable them to do that and to make it not only more flexible by adding additional compute and some, some additional software capabilities that, was more that were more reactive to those supply chain demands that were coming in from them, you know, from sort of from the top down, but then to make that system interoperable, to connect it to other systems where that automation wasn't, autom you know, wasn't already connected into these other systems, right? Using the platform to interconnect those systems meant the line could now be responsive to not only supply chain demands northbound, right, or what's, you know, what's coming at me, but also then how do I adjust the production systems so that they get attuned to that particular demand and produce that far more rapidly or far more flexibly than they could in the past. So it's, it's again, starting with this customer value. What do they want to get done? How do they, how do they want to get that done? And then bringing a particular implementation into place that meets that and then allows them to flex, allows them to move off of that, meaning I can now take this data this, this value, this intelligence, this knowledge, and connect it into something else and use that to build, right? And again, this is what we've seen in the past, right? From a, from a, from a web point of view, it's establish a system, create value, extract that value, then build, add to that value by connecting another system to that equation, and so on and so on, and continue to build. And that's, that's been the approach. And so from a platform point of view, you have to build into it the capability that we talked about earlier which is how do we provide interoperability? How do we provide for security? How do we provide for flexibility? How do we provide for more automation to close those loops, uh, to bring that expertise, that more automated expertise back to bear on how that, how that line changes what it's doing from a day-to-day -day point of view? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It does. And uh, a, I mean, ABB is involved in, in so many different industries and in so many different areas. You know, I'd love to get your perspective coming coming from Cisco and you know working in uh, working in connectivity. You do deal with a lot of different industries, but the but if you're dealing with TCP/IP, for instance, it's a it's it's fairly the protocols are fairly standard. But I mean, you're looking across. I mean, ABB, you've got you've got electrification and you got power grids and uh, industrial automation and and even and even robotics. You know how how does that uh, the experience and the and the domain expertise uh, 
fit into or how does how does your how do you ensure that the work that you're doing on the ability platform uh, adds the most value and and integrates most effectively across all of these different domains, which may have yeah. uh, each of which may have a lot of uh, unique you know, and disparate uh, technological characteristics. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's uh, one of the coolest things about being at ABB. In fact, makes ABB so exciting right now is we're, we're a company that has one foot in the industrial revolution and the other foot in the energy revolution. Any company our size would be lucky to have an opportunity to, to pursue either one of those things. And those two things are what we do from a, from a company perspective, right? It's, it's, and what's fascinating to me, being relatively new to ABB, is that the company's genesis was established during the, the last really big time when those two things happened at the same time, right, about 125 years ago during an industrial revolution and an energy revolution. And that's when the company was established. And now it finds itself here again, right? So there's some legacy that's, and again, decades worth of, of expertise and, uh, and really specific deep knowledge inside of, these, inside of these segments. And then also a very aggressive stance in terms of where do we go from here? How do we move forward? What is our vision for being here again, right? And being in these, inside of these two revolutions and understanding from the past what, what works and where things are at, but, but also critically then marrying that to how do we evolve from here and how do we really take advantage of and push these, these revolutions forward in a way that, that not only benefits ABB and benefits these, these segments, but critically important for the company and for all of us is how does, this, how does it make us be better in the world that we live in, right? How do we how do we accomplish what we want to get done from an industrial or from a from a from an energy point of view? How do we achieve our needs, but do that in a way that that protects us, protects our work, protects our environment, protects our health, protects our safety, right? These are these are things that are energizing, right? In terms of in terms of bringing forward both the lessons from the past as well as having a very strong opinion on, on how, to, how to cause that to, to occur uh, in the future and how to take action on the specific things. So the blend here and, and really what we, what, we try to, what we try to achieve with ability is how to combine those two things, right? How do, how do we take our deep expertise in industry, in automation, in uh, energy, and how do we apply that with the, to the, to the uh, usage of the very best lessons that come out of places like Silicon Valley, out of uh, IT and communications, and take the, the 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 bleeding edge there, right, and apply those two things together to create brand new instances of what can be existing patterns. Meaning, you know, sort of that again, that not the same song, but it's it's it resonates, it rhymes. Um, how do you how do you apply them into those patterns with new capabilities and new technologies in a way that achieves a radically improved result at you know lower cost, lower consumption of energy, lower pollution, et cetera, et cetera, to really get more done with fewer expensive you know valuable resources uh, consumed in that in that process, and that's 
that balancing act of achieving that in not only in a way that that looks forward from a vision perspective, but that actually you can apply today in a real world for a real customer for a real need today. Achieving that 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 sometimes those you know really counter positioned uh, you know forces. Achieving that in a way that then allows you to continue to move forward and add and build, like we were talking about earlier, that's that's the fun stuff, right? That's the and, and doing that inside of these inside of these these uh, you know these 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 two revolutions uh, is really the, the the exciting part of being being at AVP. So I get to bring what I know how to do, right, from that the previous 15 years in uh, in IoT and in, in IT and communications. And I'm like a kid in a candy store, right? In, in terms of all of the really cool things that ABB does, you mentioned several of them, right? From robotics to uh, automation in marine ports to industrial automation to brand new microgrids of of energy and uh, energy uh, networking and and uh, distribution. It's it's a like I said, it's a it's a fulfillment of a vision that that, that I mentioned we we saw. Uh, you know, a decade ago, where we saw how this technology and how these systems could be applied to really move the needle for uh, for not only industries but for people uh, in an incredibly positive way, and we're seeing that show up now, and that's that's the excitement. Yeah, you mentioned the revolution in, in energy, and this is I uh, wanted to drill into that a bit and understand, you know, from your perspective. I, I had heard uh, Rob Masudi's presentation recently on the rise of uh, electric vehicles and some of the changes ahead that that that's going to right. create, and that, that's a topic that's near and dear to the to the hearts of the Momenta team, and also our some of our guests on our podcast, including Tony Seba and Guido, have, have mm-hmm. talked quite a bit about that. But I'd love to get your sense you know, from you know from an, from your perspective on on some of the some of the big changes in, in you know in the energy uh, in the energy industry uh, because I think a lot of people who were maybe focused on IT and and looking at other areas of the uh, of, of the economy may not necessarily appreciate what's what's happening and uh, and and what does it mean for you as a as a technologist in terms of the potential challenges and opportunities ahead right. Yeah, it's it's really nothing short of absolutely everything is is, is changing. I mean, it's uh, jumping back to you know to the the analogy that, that we keep talking about, which is you know the universe changed for us in the in the in the over the previous thirty years in the way that we the way that we think, the way that we compute, the way that we communicate. Right, the universe changed, and the same thing is happening to us now in the energy space. And there's there's Two really good examples of that. One you mentioned, which is what's happening from a transportation point of view. Uh, everything that we know about transportation is an example of a change from an energy as well as an automation perspective. Everything from autonomous cars to uh, fleet-driven uh, transportation to, uh, of course, you know, green uh, and electrified uh, cars, and also the you know the uh, hydrogen. Uh, uh, potential that's uh, that's available as well. All of these things are are massively changing, you know, a, a massive industry, right? That we you know that we call transportation and logistics, and and everything, pretty much everything that we know is 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 about to be or is being challenged today 
about on, on how that works and how it will be impacted. And it has the potential, the very real potential, and we're already starting to see some of this show up, where uh, it will radically improve the amount of everything that we can transport ourselves, uh, you know, as well as, uh, as as well as the things that we want to we want to move, and do so in a way that that radically reduces traffic. Uh, you know, there's the there's the example of of, of you know 30 percent of of cities uh, traffic is based on people looking for parking. Well, if we didn't have to do that anymore, then all of a sudden, what do you do with 30% more capacity in your, in your transportation system inside of a city, right? That's an example. So transportation is a great, is a great illumination of, of, that, of that potential. The other one is actually on uh, something I mentioned earlier, which is this notion of microgrids and something that's, that's called, uh, often in the industry, is called energy as a service. And what that means or what that points at is what we're starting to see right now is that green energy, uh, and in particular solar, and of course, of course, wind is part of that as well, uh, is that plus storage, so batteries, right? And the same, and we're talking about the same technology, battery technology that is being driven by our cell phones, by our smartphones, right? Is those two things are combining to today, they're starting to hit price points where Solar, for an example, solar plus storage, solar plus batteries are hitting price points that are at the same price points as coal. They're actually better than coal and are starting to encroach in on the price points of natural gas, which are today the, the standard, right, of, of low-cost uh, energy production. And so you can, you can extrapolate from there and say it's possible today for, all, for a lot of cases for most of our the most of the roofs on our buildings our on our homes are capable of producing and storing more energy than they consume so what happens to the extra energy what happens to that extra potential right now all of a sudden my house is producing more energy than i than i producing and storing more energy than i need how do i sell that do i sell it who buys it what's the market look like what is a what does the network look like what does a service provider look like inside of that inside of that world, right? So imagine a, a, a time which is actually not too far away, where we have energy production and consumption that completely change, just like it changed for for us 30 years ago in computing and networking and and, and communication, right? When we moved from mainframes to microcomputers and to the web and and beyond. That same kind of transition is going to is affecting energy and things that consume energy, right? Which is everything. And we're facing that revolution. We're face we're we're right at the beginning of that, of where the universe is changing for us, and we are now embarking on that future. And how do we how do we how do we create that? And how do we use that in a way that that again not only gets done what we get done today, but imagine where more uh, roofs are producing more energy than we we can consume you know the, than we can consume this produces opportunity right and it's doing it in a way that doesn't consume our natural resources in the way that that we have in the past uh, and and the and the, you know, the the issues that that are that are challenging us today because of that so that's a fantastic opportunity and what does that look like we don't know right we're just getting started in that process but if we use the you know the near past as as lessons to how that universe changed in related industries, we're going to see the same thing happen here, and 
that's exciting. I mean, it's it's absolutely uh, fascinating to see where we're headed in that space and to participate in that and to and to and to help cause that to uh, to occur. It's, it's incredibly exciting. Yeah, I would have to agree. And and your point about the cost curves is well taken. We're watching just continual declines in the you know the viability of of solar or wind plus plus storage is alternatives to non-renewables and it just it's it it's it's going to open up so much so much incredible potential i mean this application of of course technology advanced technology to the to the physical infrastructure and the grids i think provides a provides a huge opportunity but there's also you know there are other industries as well uh a number of which you've you touch or ABB touches and uh, robotics is and automation are, are one of the really interesting areas in uh, where we're sort of recasting how manufacturing is is uh, envisioned and and you know, with frankly with with deeper potential for uh, intelligence augmentation and augmentation of uh, human yep. human capabilities but love to get your perspective as uh, because uh, among the you know, among your your peers ABB is I would say you know has a has a unique focus or, or a unique competency in robotics in, in uh, as as an adjunct to your industrial automation, I'd love to get some, your yep. perspective on some of the most important developments and 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 themes that you see there. Yeah, great. Yeah, yes, it does, and it it colors and affects everything and everything we do. And and ABB being you know one of the leaders in in robotics, uh, and and also in uh, something that's that's commonly called uh, collaborative. Uh, robotics is uh, is really shaping the way that, that that we see the way things go. Not only from an automation point of view, but from a just a you know, general industry and and from a, a commercial segment uh, point of view, it affects everything. And it affects us, right? We're applying it to ourselves in the way that, that we we do things. We uh, just announced um, a, a new robotics factory in uh, uh, in Shanghai. Uh, we're the largest uh, robotic supplier for in China for China. Um, we're very proud of that, and we have to keep a, you know uh, in front of that, stay in front of that, and keep you know keep ahead of that. And so we now have a, a, a factory that we're that we're bringing online, where uh, it literally is a case of of robots building robots, and it does that. We do that in a way that is isn't just it's not focused on on automating jobs out of the equation. Far more important than that. In fact, it's 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 not that at all. We live in industries and customers where we have not a not a, an oversupply of talent and people. We have an undersupply of talent and people, and that problem, that gap, is getting worse for our customers and for and for for companies in in the industrial and commercial segments, where they have they have two problems. One is they're facing an, an environment where the world, the universe is changing, right? There's a, new skills, new capabilities, new technologies to take on, new complexities, right? New things to, to tackle. And at the same time, uh, a workforce that is, that is starting to retire, right? Talented, skilled, highly skilled individuals that are, uh, that are, you know, that are retiring and, and, and effectively leaving with that, with that knowledge. And so this, this gap 
is a real problem. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, in some cases, it's a crisis for some, for some industries. And you simply can't fill that gap with more people because we, you know, there's more that we need to get done. So therefore, this isn't a matter of, of, of eliminating workforce. This is a matter of how do we keep up? How do we, how do, we do more with, frankly, what amounts to either the same or, or, or you know, a, this growing gap from a, from a skills and from a human resource point of view? So yes, the robots are coming. And, and thankfully, right, they're coming because the, the robotics and automation are coming at a time where we need to do more, right? And we need to accomplish more with, 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 with more capability. And using automation, go back to those, those processes, looking at, at how can we provide for more automation inside of these processes and, and optimize, not only optimize, but then allow people to do more of what they automatically do better than machines, right? How do we apply people to, to do more of the kinds of things that, w- that, are, that are difficult for machines to, uh, to accomplish on their own or by themselves? And in that example of collaborative robotics, how do you bring both things to bear on a problem, not to replace the human being, but to make that human being even more capable, right? To have their productivity go far up, right? Go through the roof by the addition of this, of this collaborative automation, collaborative robotics. That's what we're looking to achieve, right? Is how do you, how do you deal with this, this growing human resources gap and how do we achieve more with the resources that we have? This isn't a matter of getting rid of people. This is a matter of how do we do more and how do we do that in a collaborative way and do that together uh, where we bring our capabilities, our technologies, our platforms, our robots, our systems, our automation, work together with our customers again to solve their particular problems and do that in a way that takes advantage of all of these, all of these changes that, that are occurring in technology and in the industry and and in the in the world at large, that's what we're tackling, and that's again that's what's super exciting. Are there some, are there any in, partic- industries that stand out to you in particular that are notably effective in their use of uh, advanced technologies and embrace of the forces that could potentially disrupt if if they were not you know, really fully, uh, incorporated into, you know, in, in, into yep. refactoring and rethinking business models. Sure. Absolutely. We, we, we see massive changes occurring on the, and, and massive adoption of, of technology that is occurring in that, that energy space, the energy distribution, uh, space, uh, around things like microgrids and standardization, modularization of, of, of that grid of that, of that network. Uh, we're seeing a, a huge amount of uptake of, of, of technology and productivity there. We see it in manufacturing, both process manufacturing as well as discrete manufacturing. Again, across the board with, with the application of, of things like uh, AI, advanced analytics to get deeper into problems and get deeper into analysis. Um, we, and, and automation using, of course, things like uh, robotics as well as uh, process automation. Uh, and we also see it uh, very heavily in uh, transportation that we touched on earlier. There's a there's you know just a massive revolution that's a, that's occurring there in automation and of course in, in terms of in terms of energy uh, usage and consumption and the way that that uh, those those energy uh, that energy flows from source to you know to consumption uh, points as well. So it's it's 
it's across the board, but we absolutely see uh, some hot spots where, uh, and there are others, of course, that uh, you know we could dive into. But there absolutely are hot spots where um, it's there's breakneck speed of of adoption of technology for um, uh, for advancing those those particular segments. Let's talk a bit about the application of of AI and machine learning. I know that ABB has been pretty active in. Uh, a number of investments in in this uh, in this area, but but also, you know, how does how do the application of you know some of the more advanced techniques, uh, you know, how how does it impact your ability to uh, to create more value and solutions for customers? And and, and are there any uh, I would say notable notable early adopters or or even disconnects in terms of perception and expectations and and reality? Uh, that you're seeing, sure. Yeah, look, we can start at the the, the, the disconnects. There's the, there is of course a lot of hype around around AI and and advanced analytics, and there is just in some cases these you know notions of just pushing a magic button and things get things get better. It's of course not quite that simple. Um, and so for us, it really comes down into in, into two different things. One, first and foremost, most importantly. Is AI and uh, advanced analytics serve to enable us to take what amounts to some some really deep levels of expertise in particular segments and in particular industries from ABB, from our experts, from the from the decades of of, of knowledge right that that we've that we've built up, and using that to apply it in a way that is far more scalable. So meaning you, you build that expertise into AI models that can then be expanded upon and, and, and distributed in ways where it's, it's simply just, it's hard to do it with a single individual for with, a, with a single expert. So you can capture some of that expertise, not all of it, but you can capture some of that expertise and make it more available to more people Right for less cost, and how do you how do you spread that out? And that gets into the second point, which is something that's near and dear to my heart, right? Which is the platform. It's how do you build this this capability to 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 hold or to, to contain that expertise in a in in AI and in, in advanced analytics, and apply it in in places where you didn't even you couldn't even think of applying it uh, in the past. And how do you get that to scale out and to flow out into, into areas where more people can take advantage of that expertise and, 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 and use it to get done what, what they want to get done? And a great example of that actually connects back to our, our robotics uh, 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 work, where we're not only using the platform to, to do things like pull information out of robots so that we can, we can monitor them and remotely manage them and, and you know, provide for remote support for them, but to then use advanced AI models to, to really know what to do in certain cases in order to automate uh, particular things that you might want to accomplish for the robot, say, improving the way that the robot is maintained or changing the way that, uh, that the robot behaves inside of a particular process to make it more efficient. And if you do that in, a right, in the right way, you do that with a platform, you can not only apply that capability for customers that are very large and have lots of infrastructure for themselves and can, you know, can support that kind of infrastructure, but you can also make that available to a whole new set of customers that may have a few robots, right? They may have just, just one, two, or three robots, 
and they can consume that as a service via the platform. Meaning they can now get access to that same kind of that same kinds of the same kinds of expertise at a much lower cost and where they need it, right? Where you have uh, uh, someone like a, a a bakery, right, that is deploying robots that that move uh, you know pallets around, they can now take advantage of that technology, and they've got a handful of robots. In the past, they couldn't have taken advantage of that that technology. Now today with AI and the platform and connecting it to the real systems that they use, those robots, they now have access to a whole new capability and a whole new value uh, proposition that they didn't have access to before. And again, that's, that's, that's really exciting. Yeah, where do you see the, uh, the the market going in the next uh, ten to fifteen years? I mean, as you look at uh, you know the work that you're doing in the platform and the and and the solutions that uh, that are being de- developed. I mean, what in your what what are you optimistic about, and what are some of the concerns that that keep you up at night? Yeah, uh, so the. The things that the things that I'm optimistic about that I, I absolutely love are the are the, the things that we've touched on here, which is how energy and the and the, the our both our generation as well as the consumption of energy really changes and affects us in a in a powerfully positive way, uh, and also how we uh, how we bring uh, technology to bear on things like automation, right? On on how do we how do we cause uh, those 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 new technologies and new capabilities to enhance what it is that we want to get done, not to replace or get rid of, but to to do more, right? With uh, with 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 the resources that we have, those those things I'm incredibly optimistic on, and and I like I said, hopefully you've got a sense of how how interested and excited we are, and I am in 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 that space, and I use as an analogy there, right? The the, again, what we've what we've seen over the last you know, 15 to 25 years in the the spaces that, uh, that that you and I both came out of, where we've we saw the universe change, right? How what what is what, what does our world look like today, and how does it differ from from 25 years ago, right? Well, it's, in some ways, you can see the same kinds of patterns of of some behavior, but frankly, everything else has changed, right? Everything else is 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 completely different. And that's, that's been an amazing thing, right? That's been an amazing process. We've got that same kind of thing ahead of us in, in the industrial and commercial uh, segments. And it's, it's not in the future. It's happening right now. And so the things that, that keep me up at night or you know, keep me concerned are, do we do that quickly enough? Do we manage that transition quickly enough, but do so in a way that really affects us positively, right? Do we do it in a way that isn't gross, isn't rough, isn't, uh, isn't abrupt, but do it in a way that causes those transitions to occur that really improve our industries, improve the way that we work, and most importantly, improve people's lives, everyone's lives. Because we, you know, we all live on this, on this world, right? And we all are doing what we're doing. And we want to you know, not only do it better, but you know, do more of it. But do it in a way that uh, that protects us, uh, protects our environment, and protects you know our future generations in a way that that, that you know keeps us healthy and, and happy and moving forward. I'm incredibly optimistic on that on that front because again, mm-hmm. seen it before. Yeah, not the same song, but it's 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 happened before. 
and see the potential of, of where we're going. And that's, that's really what's, uh, what's, what's a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Are there any interesting companies or, or emerging technologies that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, typically I, I like to look outside of what's, you know, right in front of me for, you know, for where things are coming from. Uh, I mentioned one, which, which is, you know, incredibly obvious of a, of a, something that's, that's affecting us, which is, you know, the smartphone space and the advances that have been made there in terms of, in terms of battery technology, that's, you know, obviously impacting the, the energy conversation we were having earlier in a way that, that has surprised a lot of people, right? And continues to surprise uh, a ton of people. Another example where I, I find it fascinating is to look at the, actually at the consumer drone market. Um, and the reason I say that is not, not any one particular company, although there are, of course, great examples of companies like DJI uh, and others. But to me, it's, a re it's another relevant space where they're achieving some, some really interesting levels of scale and automation, autonomy, that are pretty surprising, right? Kind of shocking when you see what, what, what $1,000 will buy you in terms of technology in a drone. And how that changes literally every year. And then you look and say, okay, how does that now impact what I can achieve and what I can accomplish in other areas? Maybe not drones, right? Maybe they are drones, but, but you know, maybe aren't drones, but that are drone-like things, right, that I can apply that technology into. That, is, that to me is fascinating. That's the place to look for those advances. And we've seen the same kind of, we've seen the same kind of thing in the, in the recent past around you know, technologies like you know, Raspberry Pi radically changed the equations of how cheap you could make computing and where you could put computing and how you could afford to, to apply and put that intelligence into places that you really weren't thinking of or seeing before. And to me, things like, like, like I said, consumer drones represent another point, right? Another data point that's on a different curve in a different process in a different, in a different way, but we can learn a lot of things from that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I recently interviewed uh, George Matthew from Kespri, which is uh, actually a company that uses drone technologies for industrial inspections to look for corrosion and uh, and and other other types of changes. But you employing yeah. big data and AI technologies to the images that can be collected, uh, and it and it really is and it really is remarkable how all these. All these technologies yep. are converging to to create new opportunities. It's uh, it, it is it's it's pretty stunning. So, um, well, the, well, Sean, it's been it's been great uh, getting your insights on this this whole wealth of uh, wealth of disciplines and uh, technology areas. I I always like to uh, wind up the interviews with a uh, recommendation for our listeners of a of a good book or a resource that. Uh, that you might share. Sure. Yeah. It, uh, again, it goes back to, for me, looking outside of what's right in front of me and uh, recently uh, finished a book. I just absolutely loved it. Just it challenged a number of things that I thought I knew uh, and, and brought me up to speed in a, in a way, in a, in a, in another industry that uh, another science that is just absolutely fascinating. It's a book called the gene and intimate history. Hmm. And it's all about, the history of the gene, but also what's happening today uh, in, in, in genetics and in, in technology applied to genes. It's written by uh, Siddhartha Mukherjee, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big book, but it's a fascinating read. I mean, it's just one of these things that just, you just it's a page turner because it's just, 
it's just it it reads a bit like you know a little bit like fiction science fiction because it's just so there there have been so many advances there that are so radical and so uh, you know full of potential uh, that just it's just a it's just an invigorating place to to start thinking from of where you know how we're going to be impacted again in, inside of uh, what we're heading into from a future point of view, mm. but also thinking about the challenges that they face, right, and the safety concerns and the ethical concerns that that they face in in those industries uh, that you know that resonate that provide fresh insight for the way that I I think about the the, the challenges that face us. Wow, that's a that's an amazing recommendation. I'm I'm going to have to check that out. I I think the you know the advances around computational genomics are 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 just yeah. I mean it's just stunning when you look at the the declining cost of the and the time that it takes to sequence a human genome and yet you know as you open up you know each uh, each insight leads to a whole universe of others it's uh right. it's a, it's a deep field unto itself but i exactly. i i i share that uh you know i i share the interest and in, and i'm that sounds fascinating i think it, we there are so many great lessons that we can learn from other disciplines uh, cross disciplinary thinking. I, I think it's a that's a that's a great recommendation, Sean. So, um, and anyway, so this is uh, it's been a it, it's 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 been a great discussion. Uh, again, uh, we've been speaking with uh, with Sean Parham, who's Group VP and Head of Product Management for the ABB Ability Platform, and I am Ed McGuire, uh, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And if you have any questions, please follow up with us. We'll uh, we'll put the recommendations in the in the show notes. And and again, Sean, I want to thank you and the team at ABB for uh, for for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.